0: The media settle on a backup narrative after their Covington hit goes awry. Mitch McConnell takes steps to end the government shutdown, and the millennial fresh faces arrive on the scene. Yay! I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. All righty. So I got to tell you, I've been doing the audio read of my book each evening. I just started last night, so I assume it will be more evenings. And. I don't mean to compliment myself. The book's great. I mean, you should definitely go pick up a copy in advance. And if you haven't, then you should wait until it comes out, and then I'll sign it for you and everything. It'll be great. But the book is—I'm really excited about all of it, and I just had to give you that update. We're going to get to the news of the day because I have much to say about the news as per our usual arrangement, which is why you're here. But first, let me remind you, you got to keep your house safe. That's why you need Ring. Ring's mission is to make video neighbor, is to make neighborhoods safer. You might already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert. You'll be able to see, hear, and speak to the person all from your phone, which is great. I mean, sometimes I'm 3,000 miles away from home and I know who's at my front door. Thanks to HD video and two-way audio features on Ring devices, you will make sure that you know what's going on on your property at all times. We have a Ring video doorbell at our house, which is Fantastic, because sometimes we have weird people who come up to the house. As a listener, you have a special—I'm not talking about my extended family. As a listener, you have a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now. With a video doorbell and motion-activated floodlight cam, the Starter Kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home. Just go to ring.com slash Ben. That is ring.com slash Ben. Again, when you do that, there's a special offer on a Ring Starter Kit available for you just right now. Go to ring.com slash Ben. Use that promo code Ben to let them know that we sent you— I've been using Ring myself for years, and there's a reason for that. Ring.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the Covington story, the Covington Catholic High School story that blew up the media over the weekend has completely imploded in on the media because it turns out that these kids from Covington Catholic High School really didn't do anything wrong. There's not a lot of evidence they did anything wrong. They were standing there. To recap the story, they were standing there after the March for Life. Some of them were wearing MAGA hats, which apparently is now crime in the United States, and we're supposed to know that MAGA hats are innately offensive and triggering to people. The MAGA hats. Ooh, triggering. And they were standing there after the March for Life, and they started being harassed by the black Hebrew Israelites, a bunch of cult members who are mostly known for being ignored on the New York subways. And then a Native American guy walked up into the middle of the group, banging a drum, stood face to face with a guy named Nick Sandman, who's apparently 17 years old, goes to Covington Catholic High. And Nick Sandman just stood there kind of awkwardly, And this was enough cause for people to lose their ever-loving minds. Well, Nick Sandman appeared on the Today Show this morning with Savannah Guthrie. It is amazing to watch the media attempt to twist their way out of this by trying to cast aspersions on the 17-year-olds whose great sin was standing there on his feet in a public place at one of the most visited places in America, not moving, with a mild smile on his face, trying to diffuse the situation. He's the bad guy. Why? Because, one, he wore a MAGA hat, and, two, because he's a white religious kid. So here's Savannah Guthrie trying to make that case. Do you feel from this experience that you owe anybody an apology? Do you see your own fault in any way? As far as standing there, I had every right to do so. I don't, I, my position is that I was not disrespectful to Mr. Phillips. I respect him. I'd like to talk to him. I mean, In hindsight, I wish we could have walked away and avoided the whole thing. Okay, this is insanity. This is insanity. Sandman is obviously scared, right? He's obviously a little bit deer in the headlights right there because he's got the entire national news media on his case, in his face, specifically because he committed the grave, terrible sin of standing in a place, not doing a thing. And then it continued along these lines, this this Today Show interview. You know, she was asked, he was asked then about wearing a MAGA hat. This is clip 13. He was asked specifically about wearing a MAGA hat, right? Maybe that was the problem. The problem wasn't that he was standing there doing nothing. The problem is that he was wearing a hat. And that hat makes people angry. And because he was wearing an angry-making hat, a hat that makes folks lose their minds, probably it's his fault because he was wearing the hat. Bad bad kid wearing a hat. You know, you got to be careful with the hats you wear. That, that, red, that red hat's basically like a KKK hood, except that it's not in any way. Here's Savannah Guthrie trying to make that point. Do you think if you weren't wearing that hat, this might not have happened or it might have been different? That's possible, but I would have to assume what Mr. Phillips was thinking, and I'd rather let him speak for why he came up to us. The conflict has caught the president's attention. He tweeted that Sandman and his classmates were treated unfairly and have become symbols of fake news. Okay, and Trump is, of course, correct about that. I do love that Savannah Guthrie is asking about the evils of the hat. The evils, evils of the hat. Now, what's amazing is that this has become what people have focused in on, is the evils of the hat. I'm not kidding you. Ruth Graham over at Slate, which is another one of these media repositories for leftist stupidity, she writes a piece today, and the title is The Maga Teens Aren't Innocent Victims. Okay, and I love this. The incident at the Lincoln Memorial was more complicated than it initially seemed, it's the reverse of what you made it out to be, guys. Like the precise reverse. The people who were offending here were not the kids. It was the black Hebrew Israelites and Nick Phillips or Nate Phil- Nathan Phillips who walked into the crowd in an attempt to draw attention and then lied about the situation repeatedly. Okay, but I love this. New footage, according to Ruth Graham, doesn't exonerate the kids in the red caps. And I, I love that what they say is that the, the MAGA hats themselves were the problem. Right. She says none of this might have mattered, and the clip certainly would not have gone viral if Sandman and many of his peers were not wearing a red were not wearing red. Make America Great Again hats. Racked reported in 2017 that the hats had become popular souvenirs among white teenage boys visiting Washington, in part because they invite instant attention, instant discomfort, easy transgression. Boston Globe columnist Renee Graham wrote last summer about seeing more than a dozen white teenage boys in MAGA hats at the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Clearly, this was meant as a provocation, she wrote. I'm inclined to believe that Sandman, too, is smart enough to understand that the MAGA hat is not a symbol of peace and reconciliation, especially when the bill of that hat is inches from the nose of a Native American. The Native American guy walked up to Nick Sandman. If we are now going to assume what's in the head of everyone who wears a MAGA hat. And by the way, if you want everyone in a MAGA hat to think like Ruth Graham is suggesting they think, keep doing this stuff. Really, if you want everybody who wears a MAGA hat to think of it as a symbol of the resistance, all you have to do is keep maligning everyone who voted for Trump as a secret racist who is racist for standing there and having a face. That's really what they're saying now. They're saying he was standing there. He had a face. His face was kind of smiling. Very bad. Very, very terrible. And then I love this. So Nick Sandman and his peers get absolutely savaged by the media. They're doxed. Their school is canceled, basketball games canceled, death threats, the whole shebang. And Chris Hayes from MSNBC says, you know what the problem is? The real problem here is that these kids have privilege. Is the privilege of being targeted by the media for wearing a hat and being human and standing on feet? Chris Hayes writes, the most vital privilege in American life is due process, second chances, and the grace to have your actions read charitably. I understand why people will fight like hell to preserve it but probably worth thinking about all the people who do not have those privileges at all. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that the the, the real story here is the white privilege of the kids who had their lives basically overturned for no reason, because the media decided to go after people. I, I love the perception by a lot of mainstream media actors that the constant savage attacks on people who are not of the left wing, that's evidence that those people have privilege in and of themselves. And maybe when we get it wrong, the real story is the privileges that the people that we're not attacking don't have. The real story isn't what happens to these kids. It's what happens to other kids that we're not talking about or targeting for destruction. It's not a point I'm making, by the way. Connor Friedersdorf over at the Atlantic makes that point. He's a lot more libertarian to the left than I am. But it's a, the, the constant stream of false information continues virtually unabated. So Ilhan Omar, who is one of the fresh faces of the new Congress, fresh, 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 so fresh. So she tweeted this out. She tweeted, The boys were protesting a woman's right to choose and yelled, it's not rape if you enjoy it. Number one, false. The kid who was caught on tape yelling that is not from Covington Catholic High School. Two, she says, they were taunting five black men before they surrounded Phillips and led racist chants. False on every single score. There is no evidence they led racist chants, nor were they taunting the people from the black Hebrew Israelites. The people from the black Hebrew Israelites were calling them the F word for gay people, and they were calling them the N word. Okay, that's insane. And then, I love this, Ilhan Omar says, Sandman's family hired a right-wing PR firm to write his non-apology. Hey, what do you think they're going to do? Now they're the center of media scrutiny. You think maybe they're going to talk to somebody who might know PR? Yeah, and and I love, th- 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 this has now become a symbol of Sandman's privilege, that he that he hired a PR firm to deal with the fact that he had incoming national media trying to destroy his life. Ooh, God forbid he hires a professional when professional adults are trying to destroy him. Let me point out that the family of Trayvon Martin also had professionals who were working with them. In other words, whenever there is an incident at the center of American life, PR professionals are there in a heartbeat because this is legitimately what they do for a living. That's not a rip on Trayvon's family, and it's not a rip on Nick Sandman's family because all of this is dumb. We continue, by the way, to promote the idea that Nathan Phillips is not a liar. He is, in fact, a liar. David French has a good piece over at National Review today talking about all the lies that he has told he falsely has stated that he served in Vietnam two times on CNN. He said he's a Vietnam veteran twice. That is not true. And then he said that the black, this is seriously what he says. He says that the kids were looking for trouble, looking for something. He disagrees with the kids' defense that Phillips came into their space and they were getting hyped up. He said that's not in the least what happened, but that's exactly what happened. He said, what I was witnessing was just hate, racism. Well, hate, what I'm saying is that when these folks came there, these other folks were saying their piece and, the, and these others, they got offended with it because they were both just expressing their own views. And if it's racism, that's what it was because the folks that were having their moment there, they were saying things that I don't know if I agreed with them or not, but some of it was educational and it was truth and it was history about religious views and ideologies. But these other folks, the young students, they couldn't see it. And none of that is true. It's, it's astounding. The adult black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites were taunting the kids relentlessly, as David French writes, these folks are really rage-filled and, and hate-filled. I mean, they're, they're not the kind of folks you want to hang around in your spare time, which is why everyone on the New York subway ignores them. I mean, the New York subway system, a story for another time. And then Phillips says that he, I mean, he just spins the story completely in a false way, and we're still t- supposed to take him seriously as some sort of American hero. He says, he says, I think that was the push, that we need to use our drum, use our prayer and bring a balance, bring a calming to the situation. That is such a lie. He walked into the middle of a group of students banging his drum in their faces. He said they were going to hurt them. They were going to hurt them because they didn't like the color of their skin. There is no indicator that these kids were going to do anything to the black Hebrew Israelites who were taunting the kids with racial slurs. This is insane. And then later, he changes his story on CNN. And he said that one of his people said they should go reclaim our space, which is really what this was about. But Phillips is a liar. He was lying to the media. And in a second... We will show you other stories demonstrating that he has been trying to do this sort of stuff for a while here, disrupting other people's events. We'll get to that in just a second. First, let's talk about how you are going to send your mail this year. You need to head over to Stamps.com. If you have a New Year's resolution to make your business more efficient, there's no choice but to use Stamps.com. They bring all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service directly to your computer Stamps.com is the faster, more convenient way to get postage. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And the mail carrier picks it up. No more lugging mail to the post office. No more hassles. Stamps.com not only saves you time, it saves you money as well. With Stamps.com, you get discounted postage rates that you can't even get at the post office. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of these expensive postage meters. There's no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments, It's convenient, it's easy, it's reliable, and it's efficient. You're going to save time and you're going to save money. I use stamps.com here at the Daily Wire offices because we don't want our folks having to wait in line or schlep stuff over in the car. Instead, you can just get stamps.com service right now with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. To start the new year off right, go to Stamps.com, click on that microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in promo code Shapiro. That's Stamps.com. Enter promo code Shapiro. Again, Stamps.com, promo code Shapiro, for that special deal that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go check it out right now. Okay, so it turns out that Nathan Phillips has a habit of trying to disrupt other people's events. That's according to Ed Condon, Dateline Yesterday. While chanting and playing ceremonial drums, a group of Native American rights activists reportedly led by Nathan Phillips attempted on January 19th to enter Washington, D.C.'s Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception during a Saturday evening mass. So shortly after going after these kids, he decided that he was going to disrupt a mass. The group of 20 demonstrators was stopped by Shrine Security as it tried to enter the church during its 5.15 p.m. vigil mass, according to Shrine Security Guard on duty during the mass. It was really upsetting, the guard told Catholic News Agency. There were about 20 people trying to get in. We had to lock the doors and everything. The guard said it was a disappointment during a busy and joyful weekend for the shrine. He said we had hundreds and hundreds of people come from all over the country here to celebrate life, to celebrate each other together. That a protest tried to come inside during mass was really the worst. He said, I'm grateful that nothing bad happened. They were really angry. Don't worry, Nathan Phillips is not the aggressor in any of this. He is a pure victim. The church built itself around him. It's amazing. He was just standing there and boom, he was in the middle of a mass. No idea how it happened. He didn't try to wander into the middle of the mass with his folks at all. What happened is he was just standing there minding his own business, banging on his drum, and suddenly the church magically materialized around him and right in front of him. It was just like ma- like unbelievable cuz churches are racist, of course. This is the way we do our news these days. Okay, in just a second, we'll talk about more of the left's reaction to all of this because it is indeed insane. And then we're going to talk about why this is a national story in the first place, because we all know the real story here, why this is a national story. So the press have been trying to spin this away because this was a big boo-boo by a large number of people in the press. Here is how the Washington Post did it. It's their parody of themselves. Their parody of themselves. Abby Olheiser and Paul Farhi reporting for the Washington Post. Now, here is the rule. My friend my friend Andrew Clavin has said this for a long time. That when something, when a Republican does something bad, then the story is Republican does something bad. When a Democrat does something bad or a leftist does something bad or the media do something bad, the story is Republican reaction to the bad thing. The story is Republicans pounce. And this is, this is a, a rule that you can apply to all situations in the media. And today is no different. Here is the headline from the Washington Post. A viral story spread. The mainstream media rushed to keep up. The Trump internet pounced. Ooh, pounced. Okay, first of all, There should be a full-time editor whose only job is to remove the word pounced from all titles in the mainstream media because it's become an actual meme on the right. Because we all know where the media are going to go. We didn't do anything wrong. You just pounced. I mean, again, listen to that headline. The mainstream media rushed to keep up. No, the mainstream media spread the virality. The mainstream media made it a big story. That headline is absurd. But they continue to say this. The video, taken from an Instagram account and reposted to Twitter, went viral with the caption, This MAGA loser gleefully bothering a Native American protester at the Indigenous People's March. As the story picked up speed on social media, a Washington Post editor assigned reporters to cover it. At about 3 p.m. on Saturday, one reporter spoke to Phillips about what happened. Others called the Catholic school and the local diocese, looking for a statement from someone who could represent the students in the video. The reporters weren't aware of a critical third element in the scene, the Hebrew Israelites who had been taunting the high school boys moments before the viral video began. At 5 p.m. on Saturday, still unaware of the moments preceding the viral video, the Post published its first story on what would become a days-long national argument about racism, the media, and masculinity. The headline, It Was Getting Ugly, Native American Drummer Speaks on His Encounter with MAGA Hat-Wearing Teens. Okay, We all know where this story came from and why they were jumping to that conclusion. And then they talk about how the the breaking news made the rounds, as is typical in such breaking news situations. Initial news accounts, which drew howls from partisans on both sides, were unable to provide all the context and fact. The howls that were being drawn were largely the baying of the hounds in the media who were going after these kids because they happened to be wearing MAGA hats. It took close to 48 hours for reporters and a divided America to fully grasp what had occurred and to whom. Like many viral outrage stories, the narrative became more complicated as more facts emerged and more people stepped forward to talk about what they saw and experienced in that moment. But the Covington story isn't just a run-of-the-mill incident of viral outrage. It involved MAGA hat-wearing teens and a Native American activist. Those who shared the video in those first 24 hours, including many conservatives, seemed to feel it was emblematic of the vitriol and racism that drives the worst of American culture. But when new details shifted the story into more ambiguous territory, a well-oiled machine of pro-Trump personalities and sites saw an opportunity to strike. Right? So, so the only offense here, the only, the only thing that was wrong here was the people who waited and then said that the media screwed this thing up. Because it turns out that the media screwed this thing up. So there's that. Really, I mean, well done media. So no need to re-examine how you go about doing your business. The real problem here, of course, is that People pounced on you. I I feel terrible for members. I mean, it must be so difficult to be a member of the media when you can just make excuses for your own malfeasance by saying that people pounced, pounced. Okay, so there's that, which is great. Meanwhile, Joy Behar basically let the cat out of the bag. So she was on The View yesterday talking with Whoopi Goldberg, and Whoopi Goldberg was talking about the rush to judgment, and Joy Behar sort of let slip the reason why all of this happened, and we all know, we all know. We just... (laughs) Instantly say that's what it is based on what we see in that moment and then have to walk stuff back when it turns out we're wrong. Why is that? Why is do we keep making the same mistake? Because it- we're, because we're desperate to get Trump out of office. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Not everybody. Does. I think that that's the reason. I think the press jumps the gun a lot because we just, we have mm-hmm. so much circumstantial evidence against this guy that we basically are hoping that, you know, Cohen's got the goods and what have you. Right. And so it's wishful thinking. Okay, that is 100% true. And I love that she says us, right? Us. Okay, because the us she's talking about, that's not just Joy Behar. And it's not just Whoopi Goldberg. And I love the media. You can hear the crowd laughing and cheering because they know it's true. In other words, if members of the mainstream media who all think the same way that Joy Behar does decide that these kids must be sacrificed on the altar of Get Trump, then they'll do it. No problem. They have no problem with that whatsoever. And they're continuing to promote the stupidest nonsense. So the worst tweet of the day yesterday came courtesy of Kathy Griffin, who, you know, after, after holding up a severed head of President Trump has apparently lost her head. Well, you know, what was left of the brains inside is gone. So she tweeted out a photo that was originally covered by the New York Daily News. right? And I I talked about this yesterday in which members of the Covington Catholic High School were wearing not blackface, but they were wearing black paint for a blackout game. She found another photo of the Covington Catholic students. And some of them are holding up their hands in the okay motion, right? Which is, they're not even doing that, right? What they're really doing is they're holding up the three-point motion. The three-point motion, for those who have never seen a basketball game. There's a picture of a basketball game. All these kids are going like this, for people who can see me. All these kids are holding up their hands like this. This is not a white power symbol in basketball, you stupid morons. It is a three-point signal. That is not me saying it. I'm not a professional basketball player, a fact to which my producers can attest. We have a hoop outside. I stink. Okay, okay. that is a symbol for a three-point motion according to white supremacists like LeBron James, right? White supremacists like Stephen, Cur- uh, Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry. Okay, look at, there, there's Curry. Okay, so Curry is holding up, what what, he's a white supremacist, clearly, according to Kathy Griffin, making that exact same motion. LeBron James has made this exact same motion. Like all NBA players make this motion. There's one of the play. Uh, who is this one? Nick... Um, I can't, is this Nick Young from the Lakers? I can't, I can't remember who this is. In any case, a Lakers player making that same motion, clearly a white supremacist, a black guy. Like, they're out of their minds. Jim Carrey, another crazed lunatic, who's decided that he's an artist, which is shocking because, honest to God, my, my five-year-old daughter draws better than he does. He made a portrait of people supposedly shouting at Nathan Phillips, and then above it, it says, baby snakes, baby snakes, according to Jim Carrey. So people are just going to continue lying about this in the same way that they said, hands up, don't shoot, may not have been factually accurate, but it was morally accurate. And that's the key. So for the left, here is how things go. And I've been saying this for weeks now, for years, actually. Here is how things go. The argument is basically that if we screw up the facts, then that's okay because our narrative, our underlying narrative is good. And if people on the right say, well, you screwed up the facts, so this does not prove your narrative, then people on the left say, well, that's because you don't take our narrative seriously enough. So what they'll say is, Look at these racist kids. And people on the right will go, well, those kids aren't racist. And the left will go, you're only saying that. The only reason you're even asking the question is because you don't take racism seriously enough. And you say, well, the facts don't back your account. They say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Are you saying that racism doesn't exist in America? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying this does not prove your case, nor have you proved your case evidentiarily. Just because you say something doesn't make it true. It's amazing. There's a piece by Adam Serwer in The Atlantic kind of making the counter case, saying, well, you know people who are debunking this particular case and are now suggesting that there's not racism in America are wrong well i'm not sure who's exactly making that case but it's it is amazing that folks on the left can't see the counter that is the mirror negative of that right the the photo negative of that argument which is if you don't got the facts to prove your case you don't got the facts to prove your case and that doesn't prove your narrative it's pretty incredible okay in one second i want to talk about the fresh faces fresh 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 faces of the new democratic congress first Let's talk about how we can make your back feel better. So, I work out a fair bit, I know. To look at me, you'd think mild-mannered, mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet. In reality, underneath this particular coat lies the body of a Greek god. But, along with working out come the aches and pains of being a professional athlete. It means sometimes my neck hurts, sometimes my back hurts. And that's why I have teeter. Hanging upside down, it turns out, is a fantastic way to decompress the back and joints after a workout and boost recovery. It's called Inversion Therapy, which uses gravity and your own body weight to decompress the spine, release tension in your shoulders, neck, and joints. I carry all my tension in my neck. Over 3 million people have put their trust in Teeter. They've been the best known name in inversion tables since 1981, and they're offering a great deal just for my listeners. For a limited time, you can get the brand new 2019 Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table model with bonus accessories and a free pair of gravity boots so you can invert at home or take the boots with you to the gym. Teeter Inversion Tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon with an average 4.6 star rating. Now, with this deal, you will get $150 off when you go to teeter.com slash Ben. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, a 60-day money-back guarantee. So there's absolutely no risk to you to try it out. Remember, you can only get the new 2019 Teeter FitSpine Inversion Table plus a free pair of gravity boots by going to teeter.com slash Ben. That's T-E-E-T-E-R dot com slash Ben. Again, free shipping, free returns, 60-day money-back guarantee and 150 bucks off teeter.com slash ben go check them out make your back and neck feel better right now okay the reason the reason that this is a national story is because of abortion we all know this there are only two reasons this is a national story one the kids were wearing MAGA hats and people in the media hate trump joy behar is not lying to you and two this happened at the march for life and people on the left are rabid about abortion how rabid are people on the left about abortion they are so rabid that the state of new york just passed a new law that new law is an egregious destruction of human life. I mean it's, it's an evil law it's a plain out evil law. This law basically gets rid of all restrictions on abortion. it strips abortion from the penal code. so if you are a person who is pregnant and somebody hits you in the stomach and the baby dies, this strips it strips damage to the fetus out of the out of the penal code. no kidding it's, it's an incredible incredible violation of of the rights of the mother, obviously. And then late-term abortions were legalized again. The new law allows a licensed healthcare practitioner acting under the scope of their practice to perform an abortion when, according to the practitioner's reasonable and good-faith professional judgment, based on the facts of the patient's case, the patient is within 24 weeks from the commencement of pregnancy, or there is an absence of fetal viability, or, this is the key provision, the abortion is necessary to protect the patient's life or health. Health is the key provision there. Because protecting the life, we all agree with. Protecting the health means, you know what? I'd be healthier if I didn't have this nine-month-old baby right here that's about to enter my vaginal canal, cut its brains out. And yeah, that's what this law now allows. The measure makes late-term abortions legal at the discretion of a healthcare practitioner. Also, uh, so, so Cuomo spoke about this. He said, we had to pass this law to protect our state. And then he wants a constitutional amendment to protect abortion up to point of birth. Okay, when it comes to criminal cases, When it comes to criminal cases, there is serious concern that it limits prosecutors from applying criminal charges in cases of so-called forced abortions, which can occur during domestic violence cases and when a woman loses a child during pregnancy. So a husband beats the living hell out of his wife and she loses the baby. You can't prosecute him for the loss of the baby now. Senator Kathy Young, Republican from Olean, Cattaraugus County, says it is unconscionable to think that anyone would deprive a pregnant domestic violence victim the justice she deserves. And then, I love this, Liz Kruger from Manhattan, Democrat, says, you have to ask the question, why would anybody actually use the abortion code to charge someone with a heinous crime? We in the state of New York have many strict rules in our criminal code to deal with these kind of criminals. So no big deal that the guy killed the unborn baby. We have plenty of ways to put this guy in jail, except that it put the guy in jail for longer for committing a crime against a human being. So New York has, I mean, it's the most radical law in the nation now. And and Governor Cuomo celebrated this. He's delighted. He ordered that the spire... At One World Trade Center, the Governor Mario Cuomo Bridge, the the, the uh, Kosciuszko Bridge, I don't know how to pronounce it, and the Alfred Smith Building in Albany all be lit pink on Tuesday night. And uh, they should have lit it blood red in honor of the death of babies. Here is the inside of the chamber after this thing passed. <laughs> Wild applause for the death of the unborn. Cuomo said the Reproductive Health Act is a historic victory for New Yorkers and for our progressive values in the face of a federal government intent on rolling back Roe v. Wade and women's reproductive rights. I promised that we would enact this critical legislation within the first 30 days of the new session and we got it done. I'm directing that New York's landmarks be lit pink to celebrate this achievement and shine a bright light forward for the rest of the nation to follow. This act of barbarism stacks alongside acts of barbarism from the the 1850s with regard to black folks. The reduction of babies, who just have not entered the the vaginal canal to pieces of meat that you can easily dispense with, is dehumanization. It is pure, simple dehumanization ending in murder. That's all this is. Cuomo said on Tuesday, it's bittersweet. There's bitterness because we shouldn't be here in the first place. We should not have a federal government that is trying to roll back women's rights. This administration defies American evolution. American evolution? As I said in my speech to the March for Life, it's not important that righteousness be popular. It's just important that it be righteous. If you're evolving toward evil, well, then it is our job to stand athwart the rails of history to stop you. Cuomo is a radical. The Democratic Party is radical. And this is insanity. But this is the reason why they didn't want to cover the March for Life. So they came up with any excuse they could not to cover the March for Life because they don't want the messages from the March for Life actually going viral. They didn't want to show the section of my podcast on Friday in which I went through the actual fetal development, stage by stage, to show you how babies in the womb are developed, complete with graphics. They wouldn't show that. Instead, they would pick out a a 21-second segment of my show in which I used an analogy to talk about why you should not eugenically abort babies to prevent future crime rates from dropping. Instead of covering what happened at the March for Life, they covered some fake, completely manufactured outrage about Nathan Phillips, who confronted a bunch of high school kids, and we somehow made the kids the villains. That's what they will do to avoid talking about abortion, even as they pass laws that target the unborn for death. Okay, meanwhile, the, the radicals in the Democratic Party have fully taken over. You know, it was bugging me the other day who Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez reminded me of. Because there, there was, like in the back of my mind, there was something that she reminded me of. And then I realized what she reminds me of. So we're going to play two clips of Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez back-to-back, or a clip of Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and then a clip of her doppelganger. Uh, so here she is yesterday talking about billionaires and ringworms with Ta-Nehisi Coates. This is on Martin Luther King Day. Talking about why billionaires should not exist in the United States. And then I will play a clip of her doppelganger. You live in a moral world that allows for billionaires. Is that a moral outcome in and no, of itself? Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. I don't think it's not, it, that necessarily means that all billionaires are immoral. But I do think a system that allows billionaires to exist mm. when there are parts of Alabama where, where people are still getting ringworm because mm. they don't have access to public health mm. is wrong. Okay, and then let's play her doppelganger here. There are homeless people out there who can't even pay their mortgages. <laughs> is that what George Washington had in mind when he started America? It's like, read something, sad, learn a book. fact for every five people who are hungry there are five people who are too full it's like switch stomachs and fact for every four men there are two women and that's just supposed to be acceptable? no we need bipartisan ships okay like (laughs) okay now let me just make a point before the media gets there this isn't sexist because i make fun of all politicians repeatedly so get over yourselves i know as as soon as we make fun of aoc it's sexist it's not sexist to point out that she has exactly the same mannerisms and exactly the same political views as the lady from snl who seth myers once brought on as the as the girl from the party you didn't actually want to get into a conversation with also, worth, worth noting here, it was funny. Yesterday, I talked a little, bit, a little bit about her comments about billionaires, which are innately stupid and really ridiculous. And, and her campaign manager came out and said today, clarified, and said billionaires actually, as a staffer, billionaires are actually immoral. It's immoral to want that much money. Because once you have enough money, you should stop wanting money. You should stop wanting to produce goods and services for others. Instead, you should sort of sit atop your stack of cash. I, I focused in on the billionaire's comment because it was more relevant. I will simply point out that when Alexander Ocasio-Cortez says that people are getting ringworm for lack of public health care, you get ringworm from skin-to-skin contact and from going to the gym when people haven't cleaned off the treadmill. That's that's how you get ringworm. It is not a public health crisis that is generated by poverty. Ringworm. Okay, (laughs) it's like, you know, the serious public health crisis in this country is cellulitis. Cellulitis is in folliculitis. That's really what we got to worry about. Poverty causes folliculitis. You're like, what the? F- <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Hot tub folliculitis. It's breaking out everywhere, in cars, for homeless people. All right, lady. But she is being hailed as, as the great hero of the Democratic Party, of course. We'll get to that in just one second, because it's pretty amazing. First, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. For $9.99 a month, you can subscribe to dailywire.com. You get the rest of this show live. You can get the rest of Andrew Clavin's show live. You can get the rest of Michael Knowles' show live. Lots of good stuff, plus Michael Moles' show. And when you subscribe, you also get two more hours of me per day. I mean, my goodness, I am slaving away for you people. And what's great is if you're a subscriber, then during the breaks you can ask me questions, I answer the questions, it's really great. So go over and subscribe right now for 99 bucks a year. You also get this. The very greatest in beverage vessels. Cast your eyes upon it and despair. Leftist Tears Hot or Cold Tumblr. Spectacular. You get that with the annual subscription. Thousands of people joining every single week. I mean, we are... The group is huge. People want to support us as they should, because we're doing good work. Go check us out over at DailyWire.com. Also, be sure to join us next Tuesday, January 29th, for Daily Wire backstage, State of the Union coverage. Is it going to happen? Who the hell knows? Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring, small g, small k, myself, Andrew Claven, the execrable Michael Moles, and Alicia Krauss. will be here to cover the president's speech, the left's meltdown, and of course, answer your questions. As always, only Daily Wire subscribers get to ask those questions, so be sure to subscribe today. Go check that out. Plus, you need to subscribe to us over at YouTube and at iTunes and leave us reviews and join the club because we have great Sunday specials like this Sunday. We have on Lewis Howes, who's a self-help guru and all-around awesome guy. It's going to be great. Hey, my name is Lewis Howes, and make sure to tune in to the Ben Shapiro Show Sunday special where we cover so many topics, sports, religion, masculinity, and some other cool things as well. Make sure to check it out. Okay, so you get all those great things when you subscribe and also when you subscribe over at YouTube and iTunes. Go check it out right now. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So one of the things I love most about AOC, we'll get to the, the tributes to her, the, the continued tributes to her. It's, it's really amazing. The, one of the things I love about her most, really, is that she complains about the media more than any person I have seen since Donald Trump, frankly, Donald Trump goes around. and goes fake news. But half the time, it's actually fake. AOC complains about things that are not even fake. It's incredible. And the media eat it up like she just she just whines about people fact checking her. So she says this quote, me, I don't think billionaires should concentrate wealth while employing people who are sleeping in cars, working a zillion hours to survive next day. That will be 10 Pinocchios to Ocasio. Zillion is not a number. And I found someone who sleeps in a tent, not a car. One of, one of the fact checkers over at the Washington Post, Glenn Kessler, he tweeted back, um, I asked you some specific questions about statistics you cited, you refused to answer, and now you're moaning about the fact that I'm asking you simple questions? That, that tweet by her, that, that intellectually dishonest tweet, 143,000 likes, because this is the world that we live in. Here's the reality. If, that, if the, the girl you don't want to talk to at a party on SNL ran for office, she'd win and she might be president. That's where we are <laughs> as a country. Because nothing she says is distinguishable from anything that AOC says because that's where we are. And before people on the left, again, say, well, that's sexist. Donald Trump's president, he was a reality TV star who didn't know a lot of things. Okay, so that's not me mocking AOC. That's mocking Americans. Okay? <laughs> like, America, get your bleep together. Seriously. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really spectacular. And then I, I, I love this. She also started tweeting about how people are mean to her all the time and, the, and that she is, she's being targeted by the media. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on the radio show yesterday. That the Hill put out, a state, uh, put out an article about her that said, Ocasio-Cortez, I give zero Fs about pushback from other Democrats. And then she wrote back, I actually didn't say this. So while I know brown women cursing drives clicks, maybe you actu- accurately quote the entire exchange instead of manipulating people into thinking I said this sentence instead of just the word zero. Hey, does she know how quotation marks work? Like this is a proper use of quotation marks in this headline. She was asked a question, how many Fs do you give? And she said zero. The headline says, Ocasio-Cortez, I give, quote, zero Fs about pushback from other Democrats. That is a perfectly accurate headline, but she's moaning about it because people are so mean to her. You know, Trump said, I whine and I whine and I whine until I win. And there's something to that. Okay, folks in politics whine until they win. They're all victims. Everything is rough for them. It's really difficult to be AOC, especially when they feature you on the cover of, of all things, The Hollywood Reporter. I kid you not. AOC on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter with the headline, AOC Storms Sundance. So some some lady made a documentary about Ocasio-Cortez, and now she's storming Sundance? Really? Because there's a documentary about her? I remember my good friend Andrew Breitbart. There were a couple of documentaries featuring him. There's one about him called Hating Breitbart that's quite good. I don't remember him on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter, and he actually did something for a living. It really is truly amazing. But that's the nice thing about being a Democrat. It means never having to actually be good at anything or say true things. In fact, Axios has a piece today talking about Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's claim that we're all going to die in 12 years. I saw a very funny funny suggestion internally here is that we should put on a shirt a quote from AOC, the world will end in 12 years, and then it should say Alexander Ocasio-Cortez for president 2032. You get the joke? Got it, guys? Yeah, so... (laughs) I'm all for it. But here's what Axios says. The big picture. During the past year, several scientific reports have been released that underscore the urgency of slashing emissions of greenhouse gases. But while there were only 12 years left till 2030 when the IPCC report came out, the reality is that we have a diverse array of choices before us in terms of how soon to make emissions cuts and how significant and costly they are, top climate scientists told Axios. Their comments were about the framing of a rigid 12-year timetable in general. They said, 12 years isn't a deadline. Climate change isn't a cliff we fall off. It's a slope we slide down. That's Kate Marvel, a a climate scientist at NASA. We don't have 12 years to prevent climate change. We have no time. It's already here. And even under a business-as-usual scenario, the world isn't going to end in exactly 12 years. She says she's not wrong that decisions we make in the next decade will determine how bad climate change gets. But again, the world is not going to end in 12 years. Nor is the 12-year limit the end of the world. Like, if we don't do anything for 12 years, it's not like the world ends and then there's nothing we can do. This is what climate scientists have been saying about this. This is why Sarah Huckabee Sanders correctly came out and said, um, AOC on climate change, yeah, we're not going to listen to her so much. That's not a thing. I think we're going to listen to her on uh, much of anything, particularly not on matters that are we're going to leave into the hands of a much, much higher authority um, and certainly not listen uh, to the freshman congresswoman on when the world may end. Uh, we're focused on what's happening in the world right now. We wish that Democrats like herself would engage in that conversation, help us fix some of the current problems we know exist. But the race to the left continues apace. One of the great things about the 2020 race is we're going to see nothing but dumb from here on in. You know, I really, nothing but stupid from here on, so from here on in. It's going to (laughs) be, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) So an example, Kristen Gillibrand, who is just delightful. I mean, she really is. She's a delight because like Hillary Clinton, she is purely mechanical. Like you can actually see the physical gears turning in her head when she, when she, when she does things. Like they've not been greased. There's no smoothness to it. It's like she's a human being who's constantly doing the robot. Everything she does is, it's just great. And there's also nothing greater than watching a white person awkwardly preach to black people. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. So Kirsten Gillibrand went to the National Action Network. Again, it is astonishing to me that Al Sharpton is still considered some sort of legitimate political influencer inside the Democratic Party. He's an anti-Semitic piece of human debris, Al Sharpton. He's the worst. But Democrats continue to pay homage to him because anti-Semitism acceptable in the Democratic Party. We, we all know this. So Kirsten Gillibrand, but this was great. Kirsten Gillibrand went to the National Action Network and she got her preach on. It was sort of like when Hillary Clinton went down south and started talking to black audiences and suddenly she started talking like the down-home Arkansas girl we always knew she was from Park Ridge, Illinois. Well, Kirsten Gillibrand is doing the same thing and it's just spectacular. Watch, watch Kirsten Gillibrand preach like she just watched Elmer Gantry. truth to power. We will put on the bright breastplate of righteousness because we know right from wrong and we will not forget it. We will hold that shield of faith. As Dr. King said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. So hold on to that faith tightly. She's the best. Oh, man. I really want her to win the nomination now. It's so great. I love it. My favorite, you know, there, there's a famous speech in which uh, in which George H.W. Bush was reading the speech off a teleprompter. And in the middle of the teleprompter, there was a stage direction and it said something like, say with sincerity. And so he, he was just reading and he goes, say with sincerity. And like, he just continues reading. That's Kirsten Gillibrand. Like, you can, like on her speech, she's like, put your hand up. And she's like, and then she's like, put, I want you to wave your hands around. She's like, <laughs> that's the best thing ever. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this 2020 race. I mean, listen, it may all end in tears. It may end with Kirsten Gillibrand being president, but man, if we're gonna buy the ticket, we may as well take the damn ride. Because my goodness gracious. Also worth noting, Kamala Harris has come out with her logo for her uh, for her for her campaign. It's awful. It's a legit. It's a legit terrible logo. It's done on like it's like blue and red on orange a weird color combination. Really a, really an awful logo. So it's gonna, there's going to be so much fun during the presidential race. I'm so glad that we get to cover it because you know what? It turns out the world will not be over soon. So that's, that's really exciting stuff. Meanwhile, the government shutdown continues apace and, and all the rest of it. But the real, look, the government shutdown is going to end. The real thing that's going to stay is the radicalism of the Democratic Party. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's newly hired policy advisor, Dan Riffle, has some strong opinions about Bill Gates. Here is what he tweeted. It's, it's, it's pretty spectacular. He tweeted, every billionaire is a policy failure. Every billionaire is a policy failure. It's a policy failure if somebody makes too much money. And then he had he deleted his tweet in which he encouraged AOC to raise her top rate, not from 70%, but to 90%. He tweeted last night, quote, get ready for this. Bill Gates' money hoarding makes him greedy. But maybe he goes six for six on the other deadly sins and on balance is a good person. Still, he's a policy failure. The acquisition of that much wealth has bad consequences. A moral society needs guardrails against it. I'm going to need for like a definition of morality that says that it is not you being greedy when you stick your hand in somebody else's pocket. It is greedy when they make their money through consensual transactions. So Bill Gates, who has made legitimately millions of lives better, is greedy. You are not greedy for going into his pocket and stealing his wallet. That's just you establishing moral justice in the world. Pretty amazing. So going after Bill Gates to, to own the cons. Well done there. By the way, Bill Gates is a Democrat. Bill Gates' money hoarding makes him greedy. but may, I, I also love hearing Democrats preach about the seven deadly sins. That's one of my favorite ones. Well, you know, I, I think the Democrats should, should really be the ones preaching about religious notions of sin. Right? I, I want to hear them preach about lust next. That's the one I, I want to hear Bill Clinton preach about lust. I want to hear them preach about sloth and envy. You know, there is one of, the, one of the seven deadly sins it turns out is envy. Does it sound like maybe you're violating one of the seven deadly sins when you say that billionaires are inherently greedy and that a moral society needs guardrails against people acquiring wealth in voluntary transactions? Might violate, maybe, one of the seven sins, envy. All right, time for some things I like and some things I hate. So bad news for you today, I have no things I like. I've given up. There are no things I like. So let's just do some things that I hate instead. All right, so... There's a New York law that is so insane. I'm not talking about their abortion law. We know that New Yorkers apparently are so far to the left that they are fine with killing fully-fledged human beings. That's fine, apparently. But, so, let's just get this straight. You can kill a baby in the womb that is fully formed. You cannot kill a person who breaks into your house. This is according to an opinion piece by Sean Roman Struck Strockage over at the New York Post. There's a reason homeowners can rarely afford to dispense mercy on an overnight invader. Criminal intruders tend to be the dangerous type. What homeowners don't expect are law enforcers and prosecutors going after them for defending themselves and their loved ones. Queens resident Joel Christopher Paul faced a home intruder threat in the early hours of July 30th, 2017. The 27-year-old was home in Springfield Gardens with his mother, brother, and sister when someone attempted to break in. The intruder was Shamel Shalvo, 26, who had traveled north from Maryland after being named a suspect in a shooting there 10 days earlier. Expecting a pizza delivery, Paul's brother Michael, 16, went to the door and discovered Chavo trying to break in. Michael forced Chavo to the surrounding area, and his mother called for help. Joel, adrenaline likely surging through his veins, answered the call and brought a bat and knife to the confrontation. By the time it was all over, Chavo received the ultimate lesson in picking the wrong house. He died at Jamaica Hospital after being clubbed and stabbed. The confrontation had all the indications of a break-in gone wrong for the wanted man, and as one high-ranking police source told the Post, the response was justifiable. Both brothers avoided arrest and remained home after the incident. But months later, Queen's DA Richard Brown submitted the case to a grand jury, bringing ruin upon Joel, who has been charged with manslaughter. Prosecutors shouldn't have tra- targeted Joel. The stress, expense, uncertainty facing a first-degree manslaughter charge are devastating and can lead to an unjustified plea that could result in Joel going to prison. Part of the trouble lies with New York's retreat doctrine. So there's something in a lot of states called the castle doctrine, That is, if somebody breaks into your house, they are now in your domain and you can shoot them because they're presumably there to do ill. This does not seem like a wild assumption, by the way. So I'm, and, and I don't know what the law is. I believe that there's no castle doctrine in the state of California, I believe. But let's just put it this way. You break into my house, you're getting shot in the face. That's how that's going. Just warning to all intruders. You break into my physical domicile, I'm going to assume you are there not to play pinochle, and I will shoot you in the face. And this is the perspective of all Second Amendment abiding gun owners across the United States. You break into our houses, you're getting shot. That's the way this is going. But... New York has a retreat doctrine. The doctrine holds that Joel had a duty to run and hide if it was safe to do so. It's an obligation Joel, like the vast majority of New Yorkers, had probably never heard of because it's asinine. Yet it's likely the Queens DA will pursue precisely this avenue at trial, since the indictment states that Joel, with intent to cause serious physical injury to Shemel Shavell, caused his death. While most jurisdictions would have left Joel alone, the Queens DA seems to want to resurrect the city's bad old days when prosecutors developed a reputation of interpreting laws in ways that protected criminals more than they protected victims. Okay, This is insanity. It's a violation of the basic right to self-defense. Government was established to protect you and your property. It was not established to protect criminals who break into your home. And this is not a... I mean, this should not be a racial issue. It shouldn't be that if you're a white person defending your home, then everybody is okay with it. And if you're a black person protecting your home or a brown person protecting your home, then everybody is very upset about it. And okay, this guy should be acquitted immediately. There's no way that this person ever should have been indicted in the first place if we are getting the true story from the New York Post here. If someone breaks into your house, you have a right naturally given to you by God to shoot that person in the head. No one gets to break into your home. This is absurd. This is absurd. Now, there's something called assumption of the risk in tort law. You assume the risk you're going to get shot when you accost somebody violently. That's that's the way this works. All right. Well, we will be back here a little bit later today with two more hours of grandiose, wonderful coverage. This is why you should subscribe over at dailywire.com so you can see that. You can actually see the show. If you're listening to radio, we are on live all over the country, 150 plus stations at this point, but you can't see the show on demand. You can't hear the show commercial free. If you want to do all those things, you have to subscribe over at dailywire.com. So go check that out over at dailywire.com. We'll see you here later or tomorrow. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal, Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hi, everybody. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Remember in your Bible that chief priests and Pharisees who moved among the crowd, getting them angry at Jesus so they would call for his crucifixion. Well, guess what? They're back. Only this time, the chief priests and Pharisees are in the news media and their religion is leftism. That's on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free